we're here. And with that, no one can see you. You don't need to fix your hair. This is a podcast. <laughs> I'm going to fix it no matter what. My hair is my best feature and my most important thing. With even with a haircut that you're not happy with. Yep. <laughs> okay, okay. But now for real. Welcome mm -hmm. <laughs> to Lang Time Chat, episode two. I almost held up. Well, there we go. I held up two fingers, even though nobody can see it but us. And now David's doing it too. So we are all on board. Yeah. We uh, will have another episode like last time of an interview and discussion style because it worked out so swimmingly well last time that we decided to just keep doing that. But that also means that once again, David has no idea what's coming up. No idea at all. <laughs> and that feels like, it feels like I should have um, prepared like a maniacal laugh of some sort after saying David has no idea. Um, but I don't really have a good one. So David, if what's your best? Is that your best maniacal laugh right there? No, that was like a six out of 10. Can we hear a 10 out of 10 or, or would we just like explode from the awesomeness? The thing is I got windows in this house and I like to keep them intact. <laughs> I'm blow out the windows from maniacal laughter. <laughs> Do you want to know? Oh, that was nice. That was nice. Do you want to know how I learned how to say that word, by the way, maniacal? Mm -hmm. Because I had only ever seen it in writing. And you know how I am when I just have to produce things after only seeing them in writing and how I always get them wrong. Mm -hmm. And so the first time I actually heard it said out loud was the Muppets movie. The one with Jason, uh, is it Seagull? 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 I don't even mm -hmm. know how to say his last name. His name said out loud? <laughs> I have, I, I forget how he says it. <laughs> Jason Siegel. Siegel, thank you. Um, so him, and he was in it, and there was a scene where the Muppets were talking about maniacal laughter, and I was like, that's how you say it. It was a, it was a moment. Maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh, yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I love that. I, I love it so I, much. I also know what year that movie came out. You yes. went that long? Yes. <laughs> How often do you talk about maniacal whatever? And it almost always has to be followed by laugh, right? How often do you say maniacal outside of describing that laugh? Scheme. You say maniacal scheme? Sure. But have you ever tried to read it without knowing how it was pronounced? Like your English speaker reflexes recoil as you start to realize there are too many syllables in this word to support your reading. So it's like maniacal. It's like, it doesn't work. It always made me uncomfortable. So in my head, I yeah. think I just put evil laugh. <laughs> Did you also shy away from writing it? Like in your own works? I think I have never had reason to write it. Wow. I, I don't apparently write such scandalous things. No, I need but to, I, I'm sure you've had plenty of cause to write cinnamon roll though. <laughs> I'm sure that has come up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Topic one right. topic. Ready. And this is, this topic is not really topic one. It is just the introductory topic for what we're really talking about today. And it is not at all okay. maniacal. Sorry. Got it. No maniacal nature here. Um, and now I can't stop saying it because it's like I'm gloating. I know how to say it. <laughs> so I had a, a different idea planned out for this episode, um, but with what's going on right now and everyone sitting at home, if they are non-essential for all the essentials, we do thank you for all the work you are still doing out there in our mm -hmm. communities. Um, but that also means that a whole lot of people are counting on online methods of communication. Um, and there may be people like me who are not as good at finding those online communities. And so we're going to talk about online communities and conlanging today and exactly do some punches in the air. Cause you're ready for this. I'm the one who's clueless. Um, and also I want to point out that I personally, one of my best ways of coping with situations like this, where I I'm kind of stuck inside or, or, you know, things are going on and they're too big for me to process. 
I like to create. And what is better to create than languages? I mean, really. Mm. Mm. So, yes. What do you do for a coping mechanism? In general or right now? Right now, in general, I don't know. Whatever feels good. And so I've discovered something of late, which is that working is my comfort. Mm. Um, so it's like, in fact, I actually use work to put off work. Um, but like, you I know, that too. <laughs> of course, of course. But it's like, if I were just given a span of an hour and said, you can do whatever you want with this hour, I would immediately jump to one of my language projects. So whether it's working on a language or whether it's working on my new website that features the languages or whether it's, and actually this is something I've been wondering about, um, what I really want to do is start sketching out some uh, early pictures that could lead to pictographs for our language, but I don't know if I'm allowed to. Because it's in between episodes. Yeah. Oh, and we do have a strict don't work on the language in between episodes, but at some point that's going to have to give a tiny bit. Yeah, because the thing is like, I could do it during the stream, but it would be a very quiet endeavor. And without something like an Elmo, you can't see it. So we would just see the top of your head as you bent down and drew on paper that we can't see. Yeah. Can you yeah. install a whiteboard directly behind your head? <gasps> I mean, or it didn't even have to be directly behind. There's a space. I think you have a degree hanging on your wall or some big it's actually document a map frame. Of, it's a map of defiance, but um, nice. that is a really good idea. You know, way back in the early days, so I have this archway that you can't see, but it's over there uh, facing me. And Aaron had this idea of putting these huge sliding double doors there uh -huh. and making the, the back of it all whiteboard. And oh. I thought that was a little extravagant, but no, I can see that. Yes. And because you're listening to us and not watching us, there is, and if you recall, all of the live streams you've watched, there is a, a space right by David's head um, mm -hmm. that is completely open on his wall underneath what now I'm very curious to see is this map of defiance, because that is one of my favorite shows that he worked on. And Oh my gosh, this makes me so happy. Um, also, it took place in St. Louis, which also makes me happy being yep. Missourian. Uh, the yeah. arch. Well, well, what was left of the arch? Right beside that is uh, something that uh, I would love to say I was gifted it from the set, but no, I purchased it when they chopped up the set for auction. Um, but they are the, um, they are the original diary pages that um that erisa was writing in on the first episode of the show yes oh and, and I, that was so and did you actually handwrite all of those pages out and then she just like had the pages in front of her or um, no the art department hand wrote them um but i translated them spent nice. hours translating them and so i definitely wanted them back and so i got them back that <laughs> is also super amazing because that and that was i thought one of the more beautiful shots um just especially in that if you've never seen it just go watch defiance find it somewhere surely it's still placed somewhere yeah but um i also wanted to add though because i know that i was just jumped straight into language um mm -hmm. something else i've been doing of late is uh, of course you know watching television i do like to watch sports but of course that's not really an option right now um so uh, playing video games and watching television. I'm a longtime World of Warcraft player. Everybody knows that. But uh, lately, I finally jumped back in because a friend of mine got this game that I thought was so cool, but I, we could never play it. Uh, it was on the Apple IIGS, and it was called Gabriel Knight. Uh, and I've been playing that on an emulator online. So finally getting to replay the point-and-click, you know, New Orleans detective murder adventure, you know, from that's 1993, I want to say. Oh, that sounds amazing. Of course, I didn't have any video games in 93, but that would have been a good one. Well, I didn't either. I went to a friend's house. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, in addition to that, uh, binging MSW, which is? MSW. I don't know. MSW. 
murder she wrote wrote yes because that's all you're tweeting about these days how did i not wow okay it's <laughs> it's friday um when we're recording this it won't be friday when we release it but um i'm in friday brain yeah. <laughs> welcome what have you been up to um well lately a lot of work because <laughs> if you don't know making what was meant to be face-to-face -face classes, online classes, is a lot of work. And so right now, as much as possible, I get away from my computer screen, um, which is where most of my other work is, which means yeah. um, I've been kind of diverting away from that. But um, I have found that otherwise, I get this right eye twitch and my fingers go numb because I've been typing so much. Um, and so it's like, I got to get away from my, my computer as much as possible. So Will and I started watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. And it's been some of the best binging I've had in a while. It's been lovely. New episode out today. I was, I was really excited to see it because of course I'm a big fan of the state. I forget if we talked about this, but the sketch comedy show that was on MTV that ran for, uh, three seasons in the nineties. And I've been following the careers of everybody that's been on the state, and, you know, since that point. And uh, Joe Latrulio, um, who plays um, Boyle, Boyle, Detective Boyle, is is on Brooklyn Nine Nine. So I was like, well, of course I'm watching this. But gosh, so funny. Okay, so I was so I just started watching because I had heard great things from so many people and. So whenever we finally got Hulu, I'm like, hey, we can actually watch this. So we decided to give it a whirl. And I, I knew that Andy Samberg was in it and I, I liked him when he was on SNL. So I was excited about that. But my surprise um, person who I didn't realize was on it and I was so excited to see him was, and I'm going to say his name wrong, but Andre Brocher? Andre Brocher, yeah. There we go. Um, who plays the captain, Captain Holt. Um, he was on a show called Men of a Certain Age. And you know I, about Men of a Certain Age? I loved that show so much. And then it only lasted two seasons. Oh my God. I loved that we, show. We haven't had the discussion about Men of a Certain Age. I, we have not apparently because it just blew your mind that I watched it. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna lay my cards on the table here. My friends and I used to watch that show to make fun of it. But <laughs> one day, for whatever reason, this was this was early on. This was early on for me. I mean, it was post Game of Thrones, but it was like maybe just a year or two. Um, I wrote uh, a tweet about something that had gotten canceled that I don't know. We we didn't care for. Maybe it was Franklin and Bash. And I happened to tweet, "Well, we all have still have men of a certain age to not watch." <laughs> the creator of Men of a Certain Age replied to me and said, gee, thanks for that. And I was like, oh no, this is Mike Royce. And I was like, oh, I felt instantly so bad. And, and you then, because it was a good show, David, you are so wrong. So I, I forget what I replied to that. And he's, and I said like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Like best of luck to you. He's like, he was like I would say, you know, best of luck to you. But he said, referring to me being on Game of Thrones, but you know, you don't need it. Keep kicking ass. I thought, oh, that's so nice. So anyway, then we watched, um, you know, we, we got together to watch the season two premiere of Men of a Certain Age. And holy shit, what an episode. Do you happen to remember that one? Uh, I don't remember the specific season two opening okay. episode, no. It was the one where one of the main characters was the guy that was on Gremlins, which I'm sure you know. The guy that was on Gremlins? Yeah, he was one of the bit characters on Gremlins. He was the featured uh, day player in this one. Anyway, he was this old man and he, he is being played up for how kind of dirty and vile he is. Uh, he's going to strip clubs and everything. Uh, he eventually gets uh, diagnosed with cancer. Anyway, the guys are talking to him and he's making like a ribald joke. And he's like, well, are you sure you're going to be okay? It's like, yeah, all right, I got to. You know, I got a date with a hot broad or something like that. And then the last scene you see, it actually is one of the strippers who is sitting next to him as he is in his chair getting chemotherapy. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, how'd you do that? <laughs> it was... Because he's a player. 
it was no, but it was like, but you know, it was a very, it was a very touching thing. And it was like, wow. I, I so I was like, you really pulled that one off. Very well done. Um, and, um, anyway, so, uh, Mike Royce of course went on to do one day at a time, which is amazing. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch I have not seen that. that. But yeah, it's so funny because, you know, and, and, you know, Andre, Andrew or Andre, shoot. It, it's Andre is how it's spelled. Yeah, now, Andre if he Brar. says it, no, <laughs> Andrew, Andre I can't. <laughs> so in that show, of course, like he's, you know, got this overbearing father who is, yes. he's always trying to live up to. And then in this show, he comes on. And so I remember the, uh, the gif set that was on Tumblr that really put it over the top for me. It was, I can't remember if it was a season one episode from Brooklyn Nine-Nine or season two, but it was Thanksgiving episode. And Amy Santiago is giving an invitation that looks like, <laughs> like a first grader made it. <laughs> that, that has to be season one, right? Yeah, of a little like, uh, you know, um, cardboard paper, construction paper, uh, turkey. And she's going to the captain's like, Captain, I don't know if you got my, uh, yes, your Thanksgiving invitation. Uh, I received it. And it's like, with the, uh, with the pilgrim, you know, with the, and he says, your Thanksgiving invitation, with the turkey, with the top hat. And then she says to him, it's a pilgrim hat. And he says, and he says, where's the buckle? Yes. And she just looks so defeated. The buckle. <laughs> I was like, okay, we have to watch this show. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Oh. Such a good one. Um, so good. So anyway, okay. So yeah, sorry. now to go back to what we, although this is a way of building community right here. Talk about your <laughs> binge watching yeah. habits and talk about men of a certain age. Um, yeah. So I need a history lesson. And in mm -hmm. fact, I have my little cards and this one is titled history lesson. Um, because even though David and I are the same age, I didn't join the online world until much later and I still don't fully understand it. And so I make all sorts of fun, lovable mistakes while <laughs> in the online world. Uh, all because I don't really understand what's going on when I don't know people I'm communicating with. <laughs> so when did you first join an online conlang group? Mm. First of all, let's make it clear that I am almost a full five months older than you. Yes, yes. And it is, we have decided those five months that make all the difference. Um, yeah. Not the fact that I was raised in a rural area with little to no access to certain things. Um, and you were not raised in such an area. We have decided that's not the, the factor mm -hmm. at play here. It's really those five months. I matured so. a lot. I matured a lot. Got a lot done in those five months. <laughs> like a decade worth in five months. <laughs> so... Your first online conlang venture. Yeah, back in, <clears throat> I want to say, I think it was the spring of 2001. Um, I, uh, I, I had been creating my first language for some time at that point, uh, and I was enjoying it. And for some reason, I guess I waited that long to try to Google something like this. And the first hit that I came upon was a little guide for how to create uh, a language by Pablo David Flores. Um, <clears throat> a number of people knew both him and that guide back at the time. Anyways, I was reading through it. Uh, he had a section of links at the, at the bottom, and one of them was to the Conlang listserv. Um, and so I thought I would go ahead and join that and see what it was about and, you know, share my genius with them because I assumed I was much better than everybody else at that time. Um, <laughs> And you know all the all the emails that are sent to that listserv are publicly archived, so you can look at them now on the web. So you oh, I have accessed some of them, by the way, because I yeah. wanted to reference certain debates that were held over the oh, years. <laughs> well, you can see my very first email, and it's kind of confusing because you might think, like, how could this possibly be his first email? Because it's just a reply to somebody else's email, kind of a snarky reply. Um, you snarky. Yeah, I didn't introduce Never. myself. I didn't say, hey, I'm a new person. Let's join this list. And I am happy to talk to everybody. No, just instantly replied to somebody's email. And it's just like, that was my intro. <laughs> I now need to research this. <laughs> Here, give me just a second. Hey, what's up? I'm going to go to the office. Oh, okay. You want to say hi to Jesse? 
We're just doing I it. I thought you guys were doing a podcast. Yeah, we're we're doing an informal podcast. But, you know, do you want to say hi? It's not, even though the video's up, I don't think we're going to use the video. Yeah, no, we're not using video. Hey, oh my gosh, but it is so happy for me to be able to see you. Instead of just being a disembodied voice. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's normally, or sometimes I see an arm and that's very exciting too. Mm -hmm. But but to actually see you is so fun because I haven't seen your face like this in like talking form in like six years. Yeah, it's been too long. I see you talking all the time. <laughs> all the time. I'm trying to stand just out of pickup range. So. I've noticed. I've noticed. But I've appreciated your shouted-in contributions. It's hard to stop myself. What can I say? <laughs> you shouldn't stop yourself. We need you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to go risk exposure to the disease to pick up mail for the Bar Association. So I am so sorry. Hey. It's all right. I actually already forwarded our mail, but you know, it takes a while to kick in. So okay. I got to go. I probably don't have to do another run for a couple weeks after this. Okay. All right. Stay safe out there. Thanks. And the fun part is when you get back, I'm like, I'm just going to strip everything straight into the wash. Yes. And like, go take a shower. She makes up before I get back. You get to deal with yeah. Yeah. All right, love you, baby. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, that could be a, a very quick end to the podcast if. <laughs> Yeah, time ends. It won't though. It won't. No. Okay. Okay. So, so, so yeah, that was my introduction to the list. And so the con the constructed languages list serve. That was my first, that was my first community. Um, and it, it took me a while. I think, um, I think I probably adjusted at the same time that I realized my first language was no good. Uh, I, I think I finally learned through osmosis, some netiquette, um, and, uh, you know, adjusted. That was also where I learned that Tolkien had created language, languages, that Klingon was a language. Um, what else? Wow. Uh, I just, I guess I just assumed you went into that just knowing everything. No. You didn't now, know everything. And now here's the funny part though. I, of course, I watched Star Trek The Next Generation from the day it aired, like the first episode, um, and loved Deep Space Nine and loved uh, Voyager. Um, and uh, so I knew all about that, didn't know Klingon was a language. And even though I didn't read Tolkien, I was certainly well familiar with him. My, uh, my, my very best friend was a huge Tolkien fan and also was a fan of that Hobbit movie, the, the cartoon one. Okay. So, I mean, I, I knew all about Tolkien and Hobbits and everything. I just had no idea there was a language. Uh, and and when somebody suggested it, uh, I the initial assumption I made was that oh because it was a fantasy book and he made up some names they are calling that a language mm-hmm. like you know the same way that somebody unsophisticated might say like you know I don't know the the language of the Sims or something like that actually even right. that more of a language than I assumed it was uh, I had absolutely absolutely no idea that Tolkien had actually created languages. That um, was very, you know, humbled when I saw that he had. <laughs> wow. Um, so out of curiosity in your process of learning netiquette and being humbled, uh, yeah. as we all are at some point in our lives. Yeah. Um, Happens a lot to me. <laughs> what, do you remember like some of the hot topics over the years that people really like to talk about in these groups um, or even a topic that still comes up to this day in online groups? Yeah. The funny thing was what, right when I joined, right when I joined the hot topic were uh, Romlings, uh, people creating uh, romance languages okay. of different stripes. Uh, and that's funny to me because if you go to like the constructed languages group or even the arc onlines right now, it's come back and they're all talking about Romlings. Is it it. like as an auxiliary language or like just as a new romance language? Yeah, new romance language, Um, or as they're using it now, probably romance-like. But uh, I know that this was initially spurred by something that happened slightly before I got there, which was uh, Andrew Smith's uh, Brethenic project, Um, if that's how it's pronounced. I never know if it's Brethenic or Britannic. Anyway, but... um, Don't ask me to pronounce it. Yeah. (laughs) He, um, 
he created this language that was a romance language as if the Romans uh, never left Ireland or, or, the, the, or, or Britain when they conquered it, but um, the sound changes kind of stayed. And so the idea was that um, the Latin with Celtic sound changes. Um, anyway, so he created that language. It, it blew everybody away. Uh, and several other people expressed interest in joining in other words, like saying like, you know, what are some other things that happen in this universe that you created? That was the origin of uh, Venetic, um, Janman Steinbergen's um, uh, Romlang with Polish sound changes. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and several other languages were born at that time. So um, when I joined the list, that was kind of like the topic that was on the wane. And then the new thing that was coming up was ergative languages. Uh, I think this was uh, spurred a, a lot by David Belzam on Yar, which is a very good example of an ergative language. So at that time, everybody was just popping off with like, well, I've got an ergative language. I've got an ergative language. They were all doing ergative languages at that time. Were most people sharing information about their own work or were they using it as a resource for asking questions and building camaraderie or kind of all of the above? You know, at that time, I'm going to say it was mainly people sharing stuff about their own work. Like, that was the way that camaraderie was built, I think, on the Conlang list. And also the way that you kind of established uh, yourself. So you, you came out with, you know, a new project or found a way that an existing project of yours could be relevant to the topic of discussion. Um, and this was kind of like a way that you made a name for yourself and were able to you know, when you sent out a language and, or, or a post and it was expressing opinions, that people would actually read them and, and you know, respond to them and engage with you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, at that time, yeah, there were tons of new language projects that were coming. There were certainly a lot of very well-respected members on the list that mainly stuck to just one language. But for those who were kind of like in the tier below, and also the tier below that, and I would count myself as the tier below the tier below. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, for us, it was just desperately trying to come up with uh, a new project that, you know, others might find interesting and that you could feel good about and be happy with. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I had not, I know that there are other, um, historically have been other online communities um, that have grown, some have flourished, some have split off, some have created sub-communities. Um, and so I'm curious if right now, so if someone is sitting at home thinking, wow, I really want to be more active in an online community, um, do you have advice for how people might find them? Like, I know you can search on things like Reddit, but is there still a, a listserv for conlings yeah. in general? Yeah, the conling listserv is still there. It's not still very active. Uh, okay. But it's it's absolutely still there, and you can join. Um, the best place to find uh, communities, though, is actually the the, uh, the language creation society has the best uh, listing of all the communities. They have not uh, the communities of every stripe, so not just listservs, but bulletin boards, and also uh, Reddit, uh, Facebook, and uh, Discord. They've got everything, and they also have it in different languages. So if uh, if you're not an English speaker. Um, they have listings for communities for non-English speakers as well. Um, that's the best list that exists right now, the best collection of links. So I would go there first. But in terms of figuring out what a good community is for you, that's a bit more difficult. Um, so uh, first, I mean, number one is activity, uh, and that's going to wax and wane. So like, uh, so there's activity and interface. So like, let's say the best interface for you is you like to get emails in, you like to read longer emails and you like to respond and probably the conlang list service is the best place for you. However, you just have to know that it's not very active right now. I mean, we're talking like five to 10 messages a month. Uh, yeah. Whereas in its heyday, um, it, we're looking at between 50 and a hundred messages a day. Holy um, cow. And in fact, um, also like being admonished by the list administrators because we would hit the limit, the daily limit of messages. 
And so they would be, you know, they would say things like, you know, try to respond to more than one person in your reply. Okay. Don't reply if you just have a little one sentence thing to say, you know, all these rules so that we wouldn't be hitting this upper limit of the maximum number of messages you could receive in a day. I mean, it's the As, type of thing where, like, if you took a weekend off, you came back and it's like, it's over 350 emails to sit through. As someone who gets anxious when I get emails and I have to pay attention to them, um, I'm not an email fan. And so <laughs> thinking about seeing 50 to 100 emails coming into my inbox that much, like, that stresses me out. And I could not imagine. So I know that would not be the community for me because I would just, I would go into my avoid, avoid, avoid zone and like not even open one email because it's just too much, too much. And I also struggle with the, if I'm thinking of my reply and I like to be thoughtful in my reply. So I'm going to take a while before I actually write my reply, but then eight other people have responded and then mm -hmm. I've got to think about that. And then at some point it just becomes too much and I never reply. So you will find a lot of, I have joined certain communities that, that do a lot of email and my voice is totally absent because it's like too much for me to take in and I don't know what to reply to. It's like mm -hmm. a group text. What? how do people do group texts? I just, too much mm, you know yeah i think especially with the uh rise in group texting um others have discovered that they are the same yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know but um but yeah there there would be a number of times especially on the online listserv where you'd see somebody who's very active and then they would either announce or they would just go for like a few days and then you know traffic would continue and then suddenly you realize wow i haven't heard from this person and then, you know, later on you realize, yeah, it was the same thing. It was just too overwhelming for them. They felt like they couldn't catch up. And so that was it. They were just out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, that's, it's definitely something to consider. Not a concern for the online list right now. Not a concern. But, <laughs> um, but, but that is, yeah. um, so, okay. So that was an email style. Yeah. Um, now with Discord and Slack, uh, I don't know of like a specific Slack community aside from the LCS one. But I know that there's a big Discord online community. You can have the same type of group message problem, okay. which is um, Discord. It's not for sharing big, long thoughts. It's mm -hmm. just for chat. However, you can separate them out into different chat rooms, essentially, like the okay. old days of AOL. So it's like if you're only interested in some specific area of conlanging, there's probably a room for that and you can go there. However, um, you will run into the problem that if you don't check it like once a day or if it's very busy several times a day um you'll open it up and it's like 50 messages have gone by and like there'll be like one line messages mm -hmm. and you know people will be talking about something where you don't even know they'll have inside jokes already that you're not familiar with and right. so it's like well am i going to catch up here to try to participate and then it's like if you see something that's you know really funny or you wanted to chime in on that happened like four hours ago it's like well do I go and start a thread and respond to this? Like, do I respond now? And like, people are like, what are you even talking about? Right. Hours ago, those same people aren't even here. Right. Right. So there is that issue. Um, but it's really, it's uh, something like Discord is really cool. You just want to chat with conlingers. Just, mm -hmm. you know, instant, have a discussion for people that are in the same headspace. That's, that's really cool. Um, Reddit, so our conlings, Reddit can be good. Um, it certainly will allow you to both fire off, you know, one-off lines, but also have really long and thoughtful comments um, at your own speed. And with upvoting, you know, it could make it so that if you open something up, hopefully the, the best stuff is going to come to the top and so you don't need to read everything. Um, but it's entirely dependent on others making posts or you making a post. Right. Um, and then there's always rules, like with a conling, something like an email list, or you can just send an email for whatever. But with this one, it's like your post has to fall into certain rules. Uh, and if it doesn't obey those rules, it could be removed by the administrators. And so there's a bit of a learning curve when you join that to figure out what exactly the rules are to make sure that you're participating in the community in a way that makes sense. So like, mm -hmm. um, a lot like one thing I know that they banned recently was uh, there were a lot of people who would just say, um, is my phonology good? 
and then they'd make a post and it would just be their phonology. And I, I'm pretty sure they, they banned those posts because there were too many and most of the time it didn't generate fruitful discussion. So. Right, right. And that's also so anyway. very, that's a big thing, difficult to address the, well, what are you looking for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is another, uh, another point. There's also the relative age and level of experience of the community. Mm -hmm. um, so with a lot of newer platforms like Discord and Reddit, um, and to an extent, Facebook, uh, it, it skews young and it there's a lot less experience there. And so you will get a lot of things where it's just somebody firing one up says, is this good? Is this natural? And it's like, it's not really the type of discussion that I think mm -hmm. is, is productive. It, it only, it doesn't generate interesting comments, but I mean, it's a question that really shouldn't be asked. <laughs> it's like, right. I mean, it, who is going to say that this is good or bad? And are you going to accept that? And like, if they say it's good, does that mean you're done? If they say it's bad, does that mean you're giving it up? So right. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, so that's something you have to factor in. Uh, all right, and then um, let's just, since I mentioned it, let's mention Facebook. Um, there is a the Constructed Languages group on Facebook. There are a lot of good conlingers there, um, but the format is exactly what you would expect if you've ever been in a group on Facebook. So there is no telling what order any of the posts are gonna be in. There could be a million comments and you don't know which ones you're going to see first. Um, mm -hmm. There's a limited nesting in terms of threads. You can have one level of nesting. Okay. Um, and uh, it's, it doesn't favor longer posts. And mm -hmm. it's not usually the type of thing where you can share documents. So I don't know, it's a give and take. Uh, if you're somebody like me, you're a part of every single community. And then, you know, if, if something's going on in one of them, you, you, you participate a little bit there. Uh, you know. <laughs> wow. Wow. And then if you're someone like me, you just go to someone like you and say, tell me, tell me the good stuff that you, <laughs> 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 I can't handle, I can't handle it. Um, and I do know that, and I don't know that there are any ways to form quote communities on Twitter other than just like no. chatting with people that you know are, are adding them or whatever. My students are still trying to teach me all these terms. Um, but I do know that there is a pretty active hashtag conling. And so that's a good way to like, just find potentially relevant things <laughs> there. Now, the only one thing that's a bummer about that, and I, this is a problem with Twitter's API. Uh, if you set up, a, let's say a column that say, all right, let's just get everything with the conlang hashtag. You can do that, but it will also turn up people that have conlang in their username. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so annoying because it's just like, you know, you, you don't want to tell them like, Hey, only tweet about conlang stuff, please. Like, it's their you it's their twitter right but at the same time it's like you don't want to see them just writing random stuff when you're looking for conlang stuff <laughs> that is very true and that is yeah one of the unfortunate effects of searching on that site um and but you know i that that's i guess a possibility if you're good on twitter and you are active and want to find other people they are out there oh, yeah. um are there any gaps that you think need to be filled with online communities? If someone is thinking, should they go find their community or whether they should create a new one? Um, especially if you know of any online forums where you don't know of a online community yet existing. Um, I mean, you know, something like Twitter and Tumblr is obvious because the platforms themselves reject the idea of community. It just doesn't mm -hmm. work. But, um, and the same thing for other things like, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, just the, the, those aren't places for communities. Anything that's newer, um, you know, I think that there's Slack is probably a big gap. Um, I mean, aside from the LCS when there's not a general one, um, but, um, maybe that's kind of a fall, a flaw of Slack in itself and the way it operates. I think Discord is just far outstripped it in terms of functionality. Yeah. Um, for me, what I see is um, 
this and this is not a, a fault of younger people or the conlang community but specifically web 2.0 um, there hasn't been a very good replacement for the original communities like uh, like lift serves and things like that um, it was like for back in the days when list serves were the thing it was like here's the list serve for this Mm -hmm. If you want to be a part of a more specialized community, there are other listservs. Um, and then, um, you know, there was also Usenet, but that kind of fell out of favor. It was like Usenet was replaced by mm -hmm. listservs. Then when the bulletin boards started jumping up, that was like, okay, now is this going to be the new thing? Is this going to be where the successor for listservs, there's only going to be bulletin boards now and you just join them? And we thought, oh, maybe for a time, yes. But then, no, they kind of just were washed out. They still exist, but people don't really use bulletin boards. Um, I don't even know what you're talking about with bulletin boards. So this would be like something like the Zompist bulletin board. So, oh, is that it's ZBB. I always just knew it was Zompist and ZBB, but I didn't know what the BB was. Yeah. yeah, BB stands for bulletin board. And it's also used in the same in like BB code that was invented to write on stuff like that. And so, um, you know, those places, it's like you go to the website, you sign up, you get an account and an avatar, and there are places where you can post, mm -hmm. you know, messages and everything like that. Um, but those, uh, those types of forums really failed for whatever reason. Um, they had their heyday and then they were gone. I mean, they exist, you can still do them, but people don't really use them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they were somewhat replaced by the stack exchange phenomena where, because- yes. Um, right, and that's essentially what Reddit is. It's just a stack exchange uh, because then you could, you know, users could, you know, modify the quality, right, of, right. of responses. Um, but around that time that stack exchange was taking off, that was when Web 2.0 came, came on, which was like um, live journal leading to, you know, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, um, Instagram, things like that, which were completely community phobic. It wasn't like, hey, you're going to make your own community. It's like, no, you're a part of everybody and you can see everything all at the same right. time. Um, and so we still, I mean, this was like 2006, right? That Twitter's starting. We still don't have a successor for listservs where you could say, hey, I'm interested in language creation. Where is the one place that everybody can go mm -hmm. to find other language creators nowhere and that is also an important thing um and i i don't know enough about online programming um and web 2.0 and all of that uh to know the answer to this but like i know a lot of places you have to have an account there mm -hmm. to be able to see it so like you can't see what's on facebook unless you have a facebook account yeah. and join the private group um whereas my understanding correct me if i'm wrong my understanding of the listserv is that anybody could see it without signing up for the listserv. Is that correct? This is true. Uh, I believe you had to sign up in order to post, but okay. anybody could see it. And there were also two interfaces. There was a web interface and then there was a, just an email interface. I believe the web interface was deprecated sometime in the early aughts. Um, but there used to be yeah, two different ways uh, that people could post to the list and read the list. Um, now there's just two different ways to read the list, not post to it. Um, but yeah, um, so I guess the thing that's so tough is like you think about um, the mission of the Language Creation Society and you might say, well, that's it. That's the place where everybody can go. It's like, yes, in theory, but it's not like there's, it's not like the LCS is any good answer for regulating like or for condensing what happens on Twitter and Tumblr. Those platforms right. are just what they are. Right. Uh, and furthermore, this is not. I don't feel like this should be, uh, this requires a, um, an organizational response. So that is like, um, and what I mean by that is like, if uh, an organization like the LCS doesn't exist, then an LCS should emerge to be the one place where everybody can go for language creation. It should be a technological response. It should just emerge as a matter of course. It's like, well, this is the one thing that everybody does. And so naturally, 
uh, for every, every hobby, interest, and profession, there will be the one top level place that everybody manages to go to because that's just where everybody is. And we haven't got that. We haven't got the, the technological um, uh, response to, to have something like that come to exist. Um, and uh, so in effect, uh, an organization like the LCS is in the same position as an individual conlanger, where right. they're just desperately trying to see if they can find everything. Um, right, right. Somehow put a link to it, I guess, you know. Uh, it's, it's an admirable goal, but it's not something that should be the responsibility of an organization or an individual. Um, it really feels like there should be some new technology, some new web technology mm -hmm. that's going to be the answer. That it and sort of compiles a digest yes. for you, if you will. Exactly. And we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so cool when we used to be able to do RSS feeds. You remember those? Um, yeah, and I re didn't realize you couldn't still do those. I mean, technically you can, but one of the okay. big problems was that Apple basically disabled all of its support for RSS feeds. Oh, okay. So like in its mail program, it used to have a thing where you could import RSS feeds. And so what would happen is that, uh, you know, at when, back when people were doing blogs, remember that? <laughs> oh, I remember like, those days. Yeah. And so it's like you'd have a blog and it was great, but nobody would know about it unless you told them about it. Right. But if you made your RSS feed, you could say, here's this blog, put it in there and just collect all of these different blogs. Mm -hmm. And they would just come to your email whenever they updated. And so then it wasn't like you were having to individually go to a bunch of websites. They just came to you. Right. And that was wonderful. And they killed it. I'll never understand it. And that basically killed blogs. It really, yeah, because why, why post if you're not getting the traffic? Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, we, we need to bring back blogs because mm. that, we need to bring that back. Okay, we'll get on that later. Um, but you have mentioned the LCS. Um, yeah. And I know that you were one of the founders. Mm. And when did you, when, when did that happen? Uh, so the LCS was an outgrowth of the language creation conference. So the language creation conference came first. Really? Uh, yeah. I always thought it was the other way around. Not a bit. No. This is why I need my history lesson. Yeah. <laughs> so the language creation conference was completely Sai's idea. Uh, Sai was a list member uh, mm -hmm. time. It was a list member that nobody liked originally because I think he joined the listserv and I'm sorry, I think uh, they joined listserv in roughly the same way that I did. Mm -hmm. It was kind of being brash uh, and, <laughs> and um, on uh, what's uh, uncourteous, discourteous, I guess. Um, size big it would thing, have to be dis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Size big thing w was saying that, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm not a conlanger per se. I'm a meta conlanger. Uh, I find it interesting what all of you do, but what I do is at a higher level. Um, and phrased in exactly that way, even though he didn't mean it that way in his heart. Right. You've met him. You know, he's just a, I'm sorry, Sai is just a, a very sincere person mm -hmm. um, that doesn't necessarily know the best way to express themselves. So um, anyway, but, you know, it's email. We don't right. get any social cues or anything. It was right. just, who is this? Um, anyway, uh, uh, Cy was instrumental in the, when we did the flag, mm -hmm. um, but Cy didn't come up with that idea. A, a fellow named Adrian Dragon came up with the idea. It was so wild. Like nobody really knew who he was. This guy named Adrian Dragon comes and says, I think we should have a flag, you know, just for conlanging. You know what I mean? And for whatever reason, everybody was like, yes, we need a flag. Let's do it. <laughs> and suddenly there was a huge, huge, huge interest. Um, Cy was the one who created a voting mechanism. And this is where I learned of Condorcet voting for voting on what the flag would be. And all of us submitted designs. Many of us did. I, I submitted a design. Um, and there were like 40 designs. Um, and after the Condorcet voting was finished, uh, uh, Jan von Steinbergen's uh, design, excuse me, I, that was, no, Christian Talman's design. He, his mm -hmm. was the winner. His was the winner. And um, 
it had incorporated elements from several other flags. So like it took the basic design of my flag, which was a black uh, strip below, a blue sky, a light blue sky above, and a rising sun, mm -hmm. a yellow rising sun. And in the middle was the Egyptian hieroglyph for a tongue. Nice. So that was my idea for a flag. Um, he kind of took that idea uh, and then incorporated several other people's ideas. So he was the one that added the yellow strip, uh, changed the light blue to purple. And then this was uh, Sai's idea. Sai said that no other country used that color. Okay. So unique. Nice. Um, and then he took somebody, uh, I think his original idea was the ziggurat for the, for the Tower of Babel, because we all did the Babel text at that time. Mm-hmm an artifact of ancient history. That was how you used to present your conlang to the listserv by translating the Babel text. We don't really do that anymore. Um, I say Babel, by the way, but go on. Wow. Okay. And then it had the rising sun. Um, and so because he had incorporated several elements of different flags and it was unique and it looked good, his, uh, his SVG rendering was perfect. I think that was the reason that it won. Uh, I think it was the best version. Um, one of the reasons, by the way, people didn't like my original is they didn't want anything from a specific language. So even though it was Middle Egyptian and it was ancient, they were like, now nah, let's not have anything from a specific language. And I can appreciate that. So definitely, yeah. Anyway, so we got the flag and then like Adrian Morgan was there for like a couple more weeks and then vanished. Just gone. Like <laughs> that's kind of an amazing story. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I think that was Sai's first experience with organizing something for the list. And mm -hmm. so very shortly after that, uh, Sai said, we should have a conference. And the way that Sai does stuff like this is that they say, we should have a conference. I'm planning a conference. This is nice. when the conference is. If you would like to make a formal submission for this conference, please do so now. And it's like all in the same email. Right. And so anyway, I sat there thinking, I can not be a part of this. Um, and, and keep it at hand's length or I can join and try to make it the best thing that it could be um, and try to, you know, essentially throw whatever clout I have in the Conlang listserv towards it. And so I decided to, to join up. This was in 2005 for the first one that would eventually be in 2006. Uh, I uh, helped to convince a lot of people to present in that first year um, and then part of it, of course, was that it was going to be at Berkeley, which was my alma mater, and mm -hmm. that was where Sai was a student at the time. Uh, and so we went, we, we had the first conference. It was great. It was a one-day conference. Um, and then after it was done, uh, Sai immediately been talking about, began talking about LCC2 and what to do for it. Uh, and Sai came up with the idea of getting funding. He had had a student group to mm -hmm. help funding for the first one. But he thought if we make, but he was grad, I'm sorry, Sai was graduating um, or had graduated. Uh, Alex Fink was still a student at Berkeley. And so okay. Alex Fink was able to take over the student group in name, but eventually Alex wasn't going to stay either. And so like, well, we need a nonprofit. Um, that way we can solicit funding. Uh, and so uh, so I said, we're going to have the, the Language Creation Society and we should have it be a nonprofit organization. Uh, so I, I joined up uh, along with eight others and I did most of the paperwork. It was incorporated in California because you wow. have to incorporate in a specific right. state. So I had to figure out how to incorporate. There were some bumps along the way, including the fact that our initial application was rejected. Um, this is what happened. I got a, a little piece of paper back from the secretary of the treasury along with our check. And it said, as a reason for the rejection, if the name of the corporation is the language creation society, the word the has to be capitalized. If the name of the corporation is language creation society, please omit the word the. Wow. Wow. That, that was why it was rejected. So I just changed it. I went through the, you know, everything and removed the word the from right. everywhere. And said, you know, the name of the corporation is Language Creation Society. 
Well, I think there. what you meant to say was name of corporation is all that does, all that does need to go. <laughs> all that well, does. They, anyway. they now belong to the Ohio State University. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should have, I should have clipped it out and just mailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my goodness. Anyway, so we incorporated uh, the day before the LCC2. Uh, that was where we, me, Cy, and John Clifford officially signed the document. Nice. And uh, the LCS has been an organization ever since, 2007. So wow. that, was, that was the long answer. Sorry about that. Oh, no, that was, that was actually interesting. And I, like I said, I didn't know a lot of that history um, behind it and how it was formed. So that, that's actually really neat to learn. And I had no idea that there were groups out there that existed that did this kind of thing. And I apologize right now if you hear my microwave. Sorry. This is getting dinner. Um, but the first time I had ever heard of the LCS um, was when I was actually, it was the second time I was teaching my invented languages class. And so it was 2013. And I was looking for something online, landed on the website, and there at the bottom was a big announcement about the LCC, was it four or five? I think it was five, yeah, in Austin, um, mm -hmm. for that 2013. And I remember going into class, the next um, class session we had, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're never gonna believe it. They have a conference for these things. And I was so excited. I thought I had just discovered like some huge, thing and it turns out that a lot of people already knew about it and it wasn't even the first <laughs> conference um but like, like you don't know it's out there unless you think to look and the way i approach the internet i don't think to look for people i look for information about something i need to know like i research mm -hmm. but i don't think to look for yeah. interaction um and so i never without whatever i was researching and i wish i could remember what i was researching um, without having that pop up, I never would have even known about the conference. I never would have met you, never would have done the relay where I was so terrified because I went right after you in that relay for the LCC5 relay. Oh, yeah. Really? And I, I, and of course, at that point, I didn't know you. I only knew you by name. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going after somebody who's like famous and his, I'm, he sent me Dothraki and like, I, can't, I have to treat this with respect. And yeah, I was the one right after you. And I remember sending you an email because I was like, no way did I translate this right. There's like a goat screaming or something. And you can, you can go check out on the link and see the text, but I'm like, there's no way I've translated this right. And so I remember emailing you and asking you a question about the translation and you just emailed back like, nope, I can't answer those questions because that's the whole point of a relay. And I'm like, shoot. <laughs> Bad first impression for someone I'm trying to impress. <laughs> oh, it's good. good. Oh man. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my introduction to a group yeah. that's available out there. <laughs> I think I think somebody there there needs to be something on there that just for relay specifically that says, no, the result is supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, being my a first timer, I was taking it all very seriously. And, um, you know, for future ones, I actually ran um, one the next time around. And so it's like, I knew that this was meant to be all in fun. And it's a game of telephone. And you're kind of hoping it goes totally wonky, because that makes it even better. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, that first one, I was like, Oh, my gosh, I don't want to look like an idiot. Um, so I joined communities with the exact opposite. You joined you joined with the I know more than everyone else attitude and got humbled. I joined with the imposter syndrome. I already am behind and don't belong attitude that, you know, I think a lot of people have um, in life too, especially in like graduate school and things like that. But um, I, I sort of joined with that idea. So that was a, a hurdle for me to get over that I actually had something I could say and it would be okay. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> I will survive. Um, yeah, that's you know, it's, good. It's probably our upbringing. I mean, I was just, you know, I, I grew up in Orange County and I just thought I was the best thing ever. <laughs> and so when you, I guess when you grow up in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I don't know. you don't think that. <laughs> you think, oh, these blinding city lights, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> 
All right. So I, that covers everything that I was going to ask you about today. And I think, I hope, I hope that anyone listening um, has been given some, you know, good ideas. If you didn't know about communities that existed, or if you know more, you can always pop a comment to this podcast here on Patreon mm -hmm. for other people to see. Um, and we can keep a list growing here again, like I said, especially as we're all, you know, going online to look for more interaction um, as we are remaining socially distanced around the world. I think this is pretty much everybody everywhere is undergoing this. So no matter where you are, you may want more online interaction. So I hope you're able to find a good community for you. And with that, I'm ready to say goodbye. Do you have any final thoughts? I probably do. But you're going to keep them to yourself? Um, no, I just, I'm still, no, I, I'm trying to go back and remember what my final thoughts, I was never very good at final thoughts, you know, you know, I was never very good. Uh, I, I, I should plan ahead. Um, and so I, and think about what's the last thing I'm going to say, and then just come prepared with it. Um, other than, you know, uh, thank you for coming up with topics. So <laughs> okay, so maybe this is really the reason that we'll probably continue this format was because I forget it was in one conversation we had, and I had asked you something about a format that you would like, and you said your favorite thing to do was just be interviewed so you don't have to think before showing up, you just show That's up. Right. And so I was like, okay, well, I can do that, <laughs> I can provide. Questions and you can provide fodder <laughs> for discussion <laughs> without knowing what's going to happen. Um, and that was leading me somewhere else. And unfortunately, I didn't jot it down. And so I've forgotten. So it's going to have to not matter right now. Hmm. Remember That's the <laughs> And that could be your final thought every time. We have it. We have David sign off. Mine is happy conlanging. Be well. I think, oh, wait, I, I don't think I can say happy conlanging. Isn't that yeah, that's somebody? That's George's. Yeah, we that's his. Put something else. So right now I'm just going to say be well, stay safe, and find stay a good grammar. community. Stay grammar. <laughs> stay grammar. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's it. That's my sign off. Stay grammar. <laughs> David's sign off is go ahead. Remember the duck. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>